You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and another action-packed day in spring training. Lots to talk about. There's some news news for us to cover. Uh, a lot of injuries piling up, and uh, with drafts, mm-hmm. probably some of your drafts may be already in your rearview mirror and others coming up very soon. You have to make a judgment call on some of these injured players. So uh, we'll be talking about that, digging into a little bit of pitch FX data, and also talking some draft strategy. And who's going to join me in doing all this? Why, it's going to be Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag and many other destinations online. Jessica, welcome again to the show. Thank you for having me once again. Yep. Well, uh, we got a lot of work to do, don't we? So uh, I guess... uh, We do. We will dig right into that and start off with actually uh, a, a very sad piece of news. Uh, the Chad Bettis uh, received a uh, received news that he his testicular cancer has uh, resurfaced and spread, and he got word uh, back in December that uh, it had been completely gone. So uh, it looked like Bettis was going to be in the clear, but uh, he is uh, going to be getting chemotherapy now. So. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very sad news for, there for, for Chad Bettis. Uh, moving on to uh, to some other news items. Uh, Max Scherzer looks like he uh, will be unlikely to be ready for opening day. That's not particularly a new development, but his progress uh, from his fractured finger is not really going fast enough, right. it would appear, for him to be ready. So he will throw another session of live batting practice this coming Sunday. And uh, the report said that he should throw for more than he did the last time, which I believe was two innings worth. So mm-hmm. uh, not all bad news for Max Scherzer, but uh, probably not going to be around for uh, for opening day. And I would think uh, maybe even a little beyond that. So, yeah, it's looking uh, like the main yeah. concern is with with that grip. That's what he's concerned with is, is gripping the ball. And I think as simple as it sounds like for a pitcher, that's, that's pretty big. So that's the main concern, I believe, the last I heard when it comes to him. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and obviously that's that's a key thing. So we'll guess we'll follow the news on Sunday and see how well he did with that live batting practice session and see if the, that grip is any better. Uh, Leonis Martin is getting a, a new grip on his swing, working with Robinson Cano. Worked wonders for Gene Segura last offseason. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Leonis Martin's going to have the same kind of breakout this year, but I just thought that that was an interesting development too. Does this mean anything to you, Jess, uh, that Martin is uh, going to Cano after Segura did with so much success last year? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of gets me excited. I mean, it really depends on how you're looking at it. I mean, a lot of these guys are really easily coachable. And if you're going to go towards somebody like Cano, I know Donaldson was um, going after, I think he was Batista that he was mirroring a lot of his, a lot of Batista's at bats. And that's another thing that another guy, it's really great to look after. So if you're looking after somebody like Robinson Cano, that's going to make me really excited looking at some of my team. So I, I would definitely take a second look at, uh, at, Mar- at Leonis Martin for sure. Yeah. And you know, he was, Kind of an interesting and exciting player in the first half last year because he showed more power than he had uh, during his time with Texas for the most part, and the speed was there. And then he really slowed down in the second half. But I, I got pretty excited and encouraged about that because 
when Martin came over to the the Rangers initially, it seemed like he could be a potential power speed source. And I have to wonder if it, you know, it might not be too late for him to, to blossom into that. So maybe this is another right. development that that pushes him in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, get back to some injury news. According to Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Matt Carpenter is 10 days away from being cleared to swing a bat in a game. And we've got a segment a little later on, Jess, where we're going to talk about players like Carpenter who are in this limbo sort of status where uh, there's somebody that you, they're, they, they'll become cheaper, you would think, but how, how much risk do you still want to take on with these players? So I think we'll right. save the discussion on Carpenter for that segment, but he, as much as anybody, and Scherzer too, uh, you know, they, they're, they're health issues and the delays that we're seeing in terms of them getting back into games, it's something I think that, that is potentially worrisome. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Starling Marte has a swollen ankle, but he could be back as soon as Saturday playing for the Dominican Republic, uh, Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic, and actually they'd be uh, facing the U.S. on Saturday. I'm excited so for that game. I'm yeah. so excited for that game. <laughs> So excited. So, yeah, and it'll be great if uh, Marte would be ready to play there. But, uh, yeah, either mm-hmm. way, yeah. it should be, should be fun. Ryan Braun is to debut today against the White Sox. In fact, I should take a look and see. Uh, yeah, they're still. Uh, no, that game is actually just underway now. So we can maybe check back in on that. But Ryan Braun, who's been eased along so far this spring, finally going to see some game action. Same thing is true for Albert Pujols, who is uh, coming off of the plantar fasciitis surgery, and that mm-hmm. game is just about to start against the Padres. So maybe we can check in on both of those guys. Austin Hedges right. was removed early from a game on Thursday with a sore hamstring. That still has to be evaluated. Uh, what's your, your feeling on Austin Hedges for this season? Um, I mean, in this particular, when it's a sore hamstring, I'm not really concerned in regards to that. Um, but he he's kind of, I mean, when it comes to the Padres, it's difficult for me. I'm not really too high up on that team, like, altogether. Um, but he's more of a, a late-round option kind of guy in a deeper fantasy format for me. Um, not a, Like I said, not a guy that I'm super excited about. Um, I, I like kind of his numbers were pretty great as, as far as in AAA goes. But then when I watched him prom- get promoted from the PCL, there's that huge, you know, dark cloud over that scenario. So obviously I liked watching him hit when he was, you know, in the AAA league, when he got bumped up, I don't really take that to heart. Cause it's rare. You're not always going to be a Hunter Renfro scenario. Most of the time they're going to be a Peter O'Brien scenario. So it's really difficult for me to get high on it. But when he got bumped up, it was, it, you know, I, I didn't really have my hopes up and luckily I did it because he wasn't the kind of guy to really, you know, go all out for me, but he's a guy that I'm keeping in the back of my mind. But to be honest, now I'm not like super pumped on him. It seems like some people kind of are and great. I'm talking in a limited right. way Two catcher leagues. I don't think anybody's reaching for Austin hedges as a number one catcher, but this is somebody who came up with the reputation of a glove first catcher who probably wasn't going to do that much for you in fantasy. And then in the PCL last year, a real, and it is the PCL, so you always have to, I think you, right. as you were intimating, Jess, you always have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. But a really nice little power uh, breakout for him with 20 home runs in just 82 games. So that's really mm-hmm. generated a little bit of buzz. So I think, well, on the surface, 
this doesn't look like a, a tremendously big story. I do think this is one of those situations where if, it, if it's a lingering uh, injury for Hedges, that that could make a difference for some owners, particularly in, in two catcher leagues. So we shall see yeah. how that plays out. Uh, on y- uh, yesterday's show, uh, I had uh, Fred Zinke from MLB.com on, and we talked about the Rangers rotation situation and a semi-surprising tweet from Evan Grant, who's a beat writer with the Dallas Morning News. And he was saying he was projecting uh, Chichi Gonzalez and Mike Hoschild for the last two spots in the rotation. Uh, now with um, Andrew Kashner looking like he's going to be out for uh, probably a week or two, at least at the outset of the season. But now in additional Rangers pitching news, Jeff Wilson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram is reporting that the Rangers might be considering Colby Lewis as a late mm-hmm. spring signing. So any interest there in Colby Lewis? I know he's not a high-end guy, but you know, in a, in a standard Roto League, I think there's a maybe a little bit of uh, appeal there or, or not. Yeah, there, there is. I think there's a little appeal. Um, it, 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 there's always people that, you know, once a guy peak past the age of 35, they get really freaked out. Um, but you know, his, his ERA over the, over his 19 outings last season wasn't, or in, was it last January? Not last January, but last um, his last outings. It wasn't too bad. You know, he's definitely piquing interest. But the only thing that I worry about is the the Rangers rotation in and of itself. I feel like if you look at each one of them, they just worry me in regards to injuries. And you have a guy at his age, at his performance level, I just get a little nervous. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, there's interest. Not exactly a thing I'm going to move a lot of people around in my leagues for. But I can, you know, obviously he had the 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 veteranism, if you will, he's seen a lot of, he's seen a lot, man. He has seen some stuff. So, you know, kind of like, yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at. I always love a veteran, but then when you get the veteranism, you also get, well, I, I worry about how much he can actually last, but you know, Kashner being injured adds to it. But to be honest, I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, that's the thing I actually thought about heading into the season was the Rangers, they get injured as far as that rotation goes. So I was looking a lot at the prospects. So I don't know if he's going to add to it or really, you know, take away from it. Yeah. Well, in, in, you know, the thing is when you're comparing Colby Lewis to, like you say, prospects, and I, I think that a yeah. lot of the kind of the gloss has come off of Chichi Gonzalez, who was a top prospect, but has spent some time in the majors and not really done all that well. Uh, and now we've got the rule five pick, Mike Hoschild. And right. are, are you are you a rule five geek? Because I just I, I get way too, I won't say excited, but intrigued by these rule five um, guys. I get intrigued by the rule five guys, but I remember one of my very first assignments before I ever started, like my editor was like, "Hey, write about the rule five. And to this day, I still can't grasp around it. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't. I, I it could really confused me. I remember like between that and the supplemental draft. I remember asking Jonathan Mayo about it and I still couldn't really understand it. Um, I, I like it. I like the, like the kind of drama it brings to it, but I don't think I could ever, you know, really get as into it as you can. So, but that's all you, that's all you, Al, you go that's, ahead. And that's you me. Get I'm, with it. I'm that's glad to have a niche on this show. So, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, who, who else has a niche is Cameron Mabin. He does not have a hit this spring, but he's got a job. Uh, according to the uh, Orange County Register, Mike Sosha says that Mabin is going to be his center fielder, even though he's off to a very slow start, whereas Ben Revere has started off 10 for 19. So no controversy there in center field for the Angels. Uh, any interest in Cameron Mabin in a Roto League for those 
for those steals that he might provide? Yeah, for steals, for sure. But when it comes to him as an overall guy, it's, he's not like a guy that I'm like, oh, let's, let's like fix everything around this guy. He's, you know, injury prone. He's getting up there. And w- between with him, I remember I, I saw him play so much in the minors that I remember like, is this guy ever going to get back bumped up? And then, of course, when he does get promoted, he does, you know, semi well. So he's always a guy, you know, as far as a speed type of scenario, I wouldn't mind like a trade situation getting him and a couple others for like a power hitter, depending on your league. Um, but being Beyond like the stolen bases thing, he's not really anything that I'm like pumped on. Yeah, I, I feel like I've got to give a closer look to Maben this year. And you're right, injuries are always seemingly a part of the equation for him. But I, I really kind of slept on him last year. He batted 315 and uh, scored 65 runs for the Tigers. And again, that doesn't sound like a lot, but he only played 94 games. And right. stole 15 bases, so you prorate that, and you and you look at the batting average. That's a pretty good year for for Maben, and he was much more of an opposite field hitter last year than he had been in the past, and that would certainly correlate with him hitting for a higher average. So, you know, he's a guy who's chronicle, chronologically in his peak. So I don't mm-hmm. want to put too much on a, a 90 some odd game breakout for him, right. but I also I don't want to completely sleep on uh, a Cameron Maben either. And, uh, you know, I guess the moral of the story there is that spring stats, as we say often on the show here, don't really count for all that much. But I do think in some cases uh, they're interesting to look at. They can have some impact, maybe not right away, maybe not in your draft, not on week one, but down the line, maybe later in the year or maybe even longer term in in your your keeper dynasty leagues. I want to take a quick look after our break at some players who are doing really well in spring Probably won't be uh, having a role on opening day, but names to file away. And then I also do want to get to those injury risk players that I talked about at the uh, top of the hour. So we will talk about all that after this break. Back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Alan Melchior, and joining me today, as she typically does on the Friday show, is Jessica Klein-Schmidt. And uh, just before the break, we were discussing the uh, situation in the Angels outfield. Not you know, not the movie or anything, but uh, a good movie. Cameron May- good yeah, movie. It was, it was all right. It was all right. It, it's it's uh, not a top five baseball movie for me, but, but honestly, for me, neither is the Sandlot, which is weird, but it's a, it's a damn good movie. Yeah, I uh, probably should not admit on air that I've never seen the Sandlot, but I think I just did. So that's okay. I've never <laughs> I've never seen Billy Madison, and you you know the moment I mentioned that, you'd think I would tell people like I I heard a puppy or something. It's like people get so mad at me. So we all have our things. You like the we Rule do. Five Draft, and you've never and you've never seen the Sandlot. Nobody's perfect, Al. That's right. So, yeah, we've all, you know, this has been a a very revealing episode of uh, Cameron Fantasy Baseball. (laughs) Uh, Well, getting back to the Angels in the outfield. So Cameron Maven's got a job, despite the fact that he's hitless in his first 15 at-bats. And, you know, as well, he should, because that was what the Angels brought him over to to be. And uh, spring stats don't mean that much. But there are Mm -hmm. some interesting things going on. 
like, for example, Jose Ozuna batting 500. And even into today's game against the Rays, as of right now, he's one for two with a double. So it's another extra base hit for Jose Ozuna. He's got four home runs already. So, uh, you know, you could look at that and say, well, remember Abraham Nunez? And if you don't, you're you're not alone. But that was somebody who probably about a decade ago completely owned spring training and never really caught on uh, as a major league regular. And uh, Ozuna is a. I feel a like I'm. Yeah, I would sorry. be the. I'd be the person to like dominate spring training and then have like an awful regular season. That that'd be like my. That's my personality. I feel just coming in hot, and then the regular season where it counts, I'm a nobody. I feel like that's my personality. Right. Well, but on this show, I think you're you're just you're starting to build up, <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> you're not going to peak too early here on on the uh, fan right. Oh, thank goodness. thank goodness! Thank goodness! <laughs> Uh, and, and hopefully Jose Ozuna is not peaking too early. I mean, there's not a place for him to play. I mean, even as a, a backup, he's a, a corner infielder and corner outfielder, primarily a first baseman. And Josh Bell, uh, of course, he's off to a bit of a rocky start. Uh, one of these yeah. players who, you know, because of injury uh, is a little behind, but uh, not to the degree that, you know, we should expect to see Jose Ozuna manning first base on opening day. But definitely somebody who's because of this. And again, it doesn't mean anything unto itself. But given that this is right. somebody who was pretty much off my radar entirely before the spring, it's like, oh, let's, let's take a look here. And, and, you know, where is there room to project some future success? So, um, you know, kind of interesting there. Uh, so, Jess, I know you, you play in some deeper leagues. Uh, you know, any mm-hmm. – has this piqued your interest at all or, or not? He actually, he actually has. And the only reason why is because there's that really small chance. This is a very small chance, and I'm reaching – but you never know is if something crazy happens and they put Josh Bell in the outfield, you never know. And obviously that's going to go more towards when the season, you know, happens. And I really, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Indianapolis Indians. I love watching them play. They're just, it's just great, you know, organization overall. If something crazy does happen where that happens, you know, if they want to change it up a little bit, I don't mind having Ozuna somewhere, something just kind of my little back pocket, which is a scenario that, I'm like I said, I'm reaching for it, but you never really know. Um, obviously, uh, Bell, you, the spring training doesn't matter, but Bell is lucky enough to play multiple positions if really it needed to be. And, you know, as soon as the, the season happens, never know, but he, he's definitely on my radar, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think we need a, a sort of a chain reaction of things to happen. Probably not good right. things either, uh, because Austin yeah. Meadows is still there and they need a spot for him, probably in the outfield, maybe first base. Uh, so moving Bell doesn't necessarily solve a problem for Ozuna, but uh, you know who who knows who knows. Uh, and certainly, you know, uh, Jung Ho Gong's situation I think maybe creates a, another avenue as well. Um, you know, on the other side of the infield. So well, you know, it, it's he's a name that's on, at least on my radar now. And the same is true for Me Dylan too. Peters, who tossed three shutout innings against the Nationals on Thursday and. Only problem for him is he got overshadowed by A.J. Cole, who threw four shutout innings, or actually no hit, not right. just shutout, no hit innings for both both pitchers. Um, and Cole, I, I think it's it's impactful for both because Cole now is probably the next in line to fill in for an injured starter. You've got Joe Ross coming off of an injury-plagued year. Um, you've got Max Scherzer, who's already looking at missing some time you've got steven strasburg who's a, a perennial injury risk so aj cole having a good spring is something that suddenly could really mean something and then dylan peters again somebody who 
was largely off of my radar, um, a prospect in the Marlins system, which is very, very light on top prospects. But taking, again, a closer look, and this is where these spring stats for me as a fancy owner make a difference, is that I go back and, and look a little bit closer on players that I might have either not known about or that I was really just sort of ignoring. And Peters was certainly in, in that latter category. And I th- you know, he's got some promise. I mean, he's a, he's a really good, a good control pitcher. He'll likely start off in double A this year. Sometimes pitchers do get moved up straight from double A or you go double A to right. triple A. So Peters is somebody who maybe in a very thin Marlins rotation scenario actually gets a shot later this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And between those two, I was actually more, I guess, excited more towards Cole just because I really like watching how he single-handedly fixed his ERA. And, and I kind of like watching that, you know, I think he's something, you know, was lit underneath him um, last season. And he kind of was like, okay, um, let's kind of figure out like what I need to do. His ERA was rough. It was very rough, but he pretty much cut it, almost cut it in half um, as he continued to pitch. And I think like that on top of having a really strong spring, the confidence factor could be there. You never really know. Um, but there are also, there's so many things going on with that Washington Nationals rotation. Like you mentioned, like Strasburg is fixing up his, um, changing things up as regards to that stretch to the to the windup or vice versa. I can't remember what it was. Um, so we don't know how that's going to work out. And then obviously Scherzer with the injury injury and everything like that. So he's definitely on my radar pole is for sure. Yeah. Now I think much lower profile uh, is uh, this player, the Tigers spring home run leader. It's early in spring. This is a meaningless step, but it's, it's, I'm still going to have fun with it. Dominic Vicicello, <laughs> who I will fully admit I had never heard of. Up until I saw this uh, this little factoid, he has three home runs for the Tigers, and he has shown very very little power in the minor leagues. But I was reading a, a scouting report on him uh, from Fangraphs, and um, the the word there is that this is somebody who could still develop and project to to, to have some power down the road. Uh, and meanwhile, he's already proven to be a good hitter for average, good contact hitter with some line drive power. So, again, not a name I think you need to know for this year. Uh, he's corner infielder, so there's not really a place for him to play in Detroit unless you know, mm-hmm. there's a trade made. But, you know, again, a name I didn't even know before. Now on my radar because he has homered three times in the Grapefruit, Grapefruit League. So take mm-hmm. that uh, with uh, whatever gravity you, you want to take that, <laughs> which may not be much at all. Right. Let's 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 deal with some situations that do have some real gravity. Um, some players who have been hurt uh, or are currently off the field because of injury. We've talked a lot about David Price over the last week. That's probably been the biggest story or one of the biggest stories in the past week or so. Uh, but the news, of course, ultimately has been about as good as one can, can expect. And Price right. may not wind up missing that much time. But how how early could you see yourself drafting David Price now that we know what the situation is there I mean it's still in the back of my mind he wasn't like a top guy for me heading into the season and I think that has a lot to do with there were so many factors last season I mean he had that 399 ERA which is not his characteristic and like being moved around so much and I think there was extra pressure on him and you add the extra extra pressure of you know Chris Dale being bringing brought to the team and and the injury happens and I know there was an um an article about one of his former teammates playing with him and he wasn't even that shocked that um he went through this injury so his, his scenario when it comes to a season-long perspective 
I love him. I, he's got the name and everything like that, but it is going to be a bounce back season for him. Um, I think the injury, if anything, kind of helps the scenario where it's like, okay, maybe he's more human than we're realizing kind of deal, if that makes sense. Um, but he was not really like a top guy heading into the season. Obviously, people are still going to fight over him. And he's also going to be trade bait, you know, depending on how he performs over the next, the first few months um, or first, first few weeks, I should say. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But I don't know. I don't know if this injury really helps or hurts, you know, the projections in regards to where he would go. Well, I mean, I, I, it, it certainly means that price is going to go significantly later. I don't think there's any question right. about that. What I do, where I thought you were going to go with that is you're not sure if it helps or hurts his value because it could be a situation where you think, well, best case scenario, price only misses a few starts and he pitches just fine. It's a, it's a Masahiro Tanaka situation where he's got this tear, but he's going to pitch just fine with it and, and he's going to come at a severe discount. So, you know, the question is, how much of a discount are you going to require? I would say for me, it'd have to be pretty late. Like, uh, I'd say probably maybe round seven, something like that. But I I think in some leagues he could could fall that far. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I think that's that's what makes it a little bit more interesting because you really, it's going to be kind of cool to see what, you'll end up with him um, for the type of price, the type of scenario, the type of trade, you know, radar. It's going to be interesting what you can get for him this season. Yeah. Well, how about Max Scherzer? Uh, Obviously a a less scary injury for him. And we've already talked about him a little bit on the show today, but are you Uh discounting him at at all? I'm typically seeing him go third among starting pitchers. Mm -hmm. Whereas otherwise I think he would have gone second behind Kershaw ahead of Syndergaard. I see him pretty consistently going third. Do you, uh, is that safe enough for you, or do you need more of a discount? That's very, that, that's very fair for me. Um, and even he's, you know, not just because it's Scherzer, but his type of injury isn't something that I'm too worried about. Um, and he's obviously a top guy, and that's pretty much in any type of format, even DFS. He's he's the guy that you go that you spend all of your money on, and you don't mind, you know, putting it all in on one pitcher. And I don't ever argue with somebody that that tries to come at me with that. So that's a very fair value. I I completely support that. All right, and one more before break, and we got a, a bunch more that we'll we'll cover after the break. Matt Carpenter, we mm-hmm. also talked about earlier in the show. Right. Ten days away from even swinging a bat in a game situation. Uh, does that scare you enough to wait longer on him now? Um, well, I mean, with last season, I really thought that he was exaggerating a lot of his injuries. And I don't know if that was because, like, from a media standpoint, because of, like, where they were at the playoffs or whatever, but it seems like there's, it's constant. It's redundant with him. There's always something wrong with him. So I, that kind of – that's a huge red flag heading into the season for me. Um, so before even all this talk, he was always something that I was like, wow, the, the injury bug really likes to bite him. So he's always kind of been a red flag for me. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, maybe dig into that a little bit more. We do have to head for break, so we'll talk a little bit more about Matt Carpenter and several other players dealing with injury right when we come back. Welcome back to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today is Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from Fan Rag. And uh, I did promise earlier in the show, Jess, that we would check in on some spring training action. So uh, let's get to that real quick. Uh, apparently, Zach Wheeler, pretty good outing for his uh, first time back. 
Uh, Mark Kerrig, uh, I think from News, yes, from Newsday, uh, is reporting that uh, his fastball was topping out around 94 miles an hour. So overall, Ooh. sounds Ooh. like not a bad outing for, for Zach Wheeler. And then we've got a couple other returns from injury uh, that we mentioned at the top. Uh, Ryan Braun, he has had an bat against uh, the uh, the White Sox. And let's see, yeah, that's uh, Rodrigo, or I mean, not Rodrigo Lopez, Ronaldo Lopez pitching in that one. Lopez has two strikeouts. One of those was Braun. Braun victimized by the strikeout. And hmm. Albert Pujols in his first uh, his first uh, at bat plate appearance of spring training has grounded out. Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, that's not bad. We're, I mean, we're expecting that from Pujols. I just, I really want him to just do well this year. I really do. Well, you know, he'll he'll come back and get him. He can bounce back from that. Yeah. That out. <laughs> yeah, so, I think uh, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> don't judge him. Don't, don't judge him yet. <laughs> that's right. We're not going to look soon. at his regular season. Yeah, regular season numbers. Like, remember that one time he grounded out? Risky play, man. Risky play. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe, man. He had thirty-five home runs after grounding out in that first spring training. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what we'll be saying about Matt Carpenter when he comes back in ten days, or whenever it is that that he does come back. But they're projecting ten days. Um, Mm-hmm. So we had talked about Matt Carpenter before the break. Uh, you were saying that you already had some misgivings about Carpenter because of, of injury. Uh, I just want to point out that, you know, I, I had the sort of the same perception, and yet I had a feeling it didn't really jibe with, with uh, his actual record. And before last year, when he, he played 129 games, he missed a big chunk of the second half and then wasn't, wasn't himself when he came back, which to me was the equally mm-hmm. distressing part. He played 154, 158, 157 games uh, in the previous three seasons, all with at least 665 plate appearances. So mm-hmm. I think we both might be a little unfair uh, to categorize Carpenter as, a, as an injury risk guy, but I still think it's, it is fair to look at the fact that, you know, what, what's happened with him most recently was an injury plague second half, which is now being followed up with... Um, you know, an extended spring training absence, uh, you know, due to his right. back injury. So, uh, you know, and, and it does seem like back injuries are things that can, that can definitely linger. So I, I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. discounting Carpenter and Carpenter perennially is somebody that I wind up drafting a lot because I, I think that his on base ability gets underrated. I think his power gets underrated and yeah, he's now had, uh, you know, two seasons in a row where he's been, I think a better power hitter than people give him credit for, but I, I, I think now I've got to discount him a little bit, and I think I would wait till, uh, yeah, probably you know I said price in the seventh round. I'd say probably about the same, maybe sixth round at the earliest for Carpenter. Whereas, in fact, a, a draft, one of my first drafts this year, I think I took Carpenter. It was either late in the third or early in the fourth, so I'm certainly not doing that at this point. Right. Yeah. Well, how about Corey Seager? He's also been out with the back issue. I mean, it's not anything that's supposed to be major for him. But do you worry at all that? Or let, let me just put it in this context, because I'm not really worried about Corey Seager. I don't want to encourage anybody to be all that worried about him. But the way I look at this is is a potential tiebreaker, because there are so many good young shortstops who are so close mm-hmm. in value. I definitely could see myself in a draft room making that a tiebreaker and having a little bit of hesitation. D- does that seem fair to you, Jess, or is that an overreaction? 
I actually love that because um, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, the attention is going to be on him, whether you're no matter what kind of league, the ownership percentage is going to be an issue. People are going to be gunning for him. So if you need some sort of tiebreaker, you know, I don't see what I don't think that's a bad tiebreaker at all. But we also I, I don't really pay attention to as much as, um, you know, when when I've had back issues before and I, I've been it's been brutal. So I always keep that in the back of my mind. He said that he tweaked it and that mean that can mean anything, you know, and that right. kind of, you know, take that with a grain of salt, what have you. But at the same time, it is spring training. If there's something wrong with one of your prized possessions, you exaggerate it. Right. And I don't, I don't ever bash on a guy for doing that, especially trainers and anybody in their organization. So I, I totally respect that. If you want to use that as a, a tiebreaker and especially like you mentioned, there are a lot of young shortstops that are out there that, um, they're not all going to be Corey Seegers, but they're all, you know, same price range, same production value, all of that. So I completely back you up on that. Yeah. Well, no it, pun well, intended. And, and, and I didn't get it. So thank you for pointing it out. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and I, I think that this is something that I, now, and I'm thinking back to a couple of days ago when I was in an auction, a CBS uh, auction, and I went pretty aggressively on Francisco Lindor, who's somebody I'm not usually, I mean, if the value's there, I'll target him. But I, I wasn't really, I, I probably paid more for him than I, I needed to, Lindor. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, part that I, I had this little bit of hesitation with, you know, Corey Seager. So, you know, I think that's the type of scenario where maybe it, it could make a difference. Now, Sonny Gray is somebody who, even <sighs> before the lat strain, was, I thought, going very, very late, too late. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it's too late, although I imagine he'll probably start going even later than he was. Do, it, so is Sonny Gray, I, I think I, I've heard both sides of this, is Sonny Gray now a tremendous value proposition who's probably going to go really late in drafts, or is he just somebody that's going to be a, just a waste of a draft pick? I think it's going to, oh gosh, it's a good question. I think I'm, I'm going more towards the later scenario um, only because I don't think that this injury is that bad. I think it's, there's so many things that are going on with him. Um, and it, I think it was just a scenario. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, his last outing in spring training was just dreadful. I don't care if it's, if you are hardcore about spring training or not, it was just dreadful. And that whole game was just a lot to handle. There were so many runs in that game and everything like that. So it was just really difficult for me to kind of have that mentality, but this is definitely like what you meant, like a tiebreaker for me. Cause he was kind of on, like, we didn't really know what to do with him. Right. Like he had a big name. He had a really rough, uh, roller coaster season last year went from him and rich hill being these really sexy name trades to then he was just going to stay with the a's because there was no real value with him and so when it comes to heading into this season he's not going to get that opening day start we know that but at the same time i think that doesn't necessarily take his value away if you were to do a season-long perspective but i can tell you what the dfs community does not like him they, they can't stand him. And I know that because I was recently in a chat room where I was like, all right, okay, okay, okay. And because, I mean, obviously they know I'm an A's fan, so they're, they don't care. You know, they're going to you know <laughs> tell me how they feel. And when, between him and Chris Davis being the top two fantasy guys on that team, there, you know, there's a lot that has to be said with that and, you know, going into the season. So I think it's going to be a later pick for me. I don't think that anybody needs to say that so he's a waste at all. Um, but it's definitely something that's going to lessen his value, but doesn't take the whole value uh, perspective away from him. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I'm definitely of the perspective that I'll look for Sonny Gray late because I think he'll still be there. And if he mm-hmm. can 
not have a, a setback in the recovery from the lat injury. I still think that he could get back to who he was two years ago. And as a late rounder, that would make him probably one of the biggest values on trade day. Now it could go right. completely south, but again, what are you, you know, what are you losing at that point? Um, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to reach for him, but if he's available in anywhere. I'd say in the latter half of a draft. Um, I think there's not much to lose there and, and a lot to gain. Now, do you think that that also would apply to Anthony Desclafani, who is uh, certainly you know further along in his recovery process, in his case, an, an elbow injury, but still uh, behind his his other you know his um, rather his projected schedule, not going to be ready for opening day most likely. But uh, do you think Desclafani is worth uh, worth drafting at this point? I really do. And I think the reason why is, well, he kind of came up on my radar last season. Obviously, that had a lot to do with, with the team that he was on. And because um, when it comes to the starting pitchers and the Reds, it was like literally Anthony Disclafani and nobody else. So that was kind of something that people were, he was getting on people's radars, um, not necessarily from a season perspective, because I think he kind of popped up somewhat out, out of nowhere. Um, but I think the delay in his injury isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's that spring training exaggerated scenario. They want to make sure that he's 100% ready to go. Um, he's supposed to make his, his debut relatively soon, so obviously we definitely want to pay attention to that. And I think that's where when, when these types of scenarios, I know you um, are a huge guy when it comes to spring training performances, when it comes to any sort of you know battle for a position, mm-hmm. that's when you really want to pay attention to. But I also pay attention to, you know, and this is pretty easy enough to be said, a guy coming off of an injury no matter how bit or small it is um you know they're not going to be giving it 110 percent, but obviously they're not going to be you know completely holding themselves back they do want to prove that they this injury isn't so bad it is it isn't kind of you know scenario um he definitely came up on my um scenario but he he's ruled uh, the doctor ruled out a lot of major injuries that's obviously good news um and but he's definitely in in my radar and i definitely look forward to having him in some of my dfs plays next year as well uh, interesting. Well, we're going to talk about that uh, in the next segment, uh, looking mm-hmm. ahead to the DFS season. I, before we go there, though, um, three pitchers who, um, according to uh, PitchFX data, now you know there's the, the PitchFX da- uh, data being collected in selected uh, spring training games. And so for Tyler Anderson, Shelby Miller, and Archie Bradley, and two of these guys I know you, you might have a little bias towards being the, the uh-huh. <laughs> All three are pitching with uh, greater average velocity uh, in the early mm-hmm. going. And for Anderson, we've got three games worth of data. For Miller uh, and Bradley, I think it's two games apiece. So we're talking less than 100 pitches still. But right. pretty substantial increases in velocity for those three. Um, does that make you more likely to draft any of the three? Tyler Anderson, Shelby Miller, Archie Bradley. Bias aside, I still really like Archie Bradley. And and I didn't really have like an exact like exaggerated kind of, you know, mentality towards him. Um, but I've seen him pitch both um in the in, in for the Diamondbacks and for the Aces. And the interesting thing about about Archie is, you know, you don't think he's throwing fast until you're looking at the gun. You're like, wow, okay. But his scenario is, is a lot of people are actually drafting him in their leagues. And the reason I noticed that is because people, for some god-awful reason, ask me for fantasy advice. And this gentleman recently was like, hey, like, what are your thoughts on Archie Bradley? And I really hadn't stopped and, you know, thought about it. And he, you know, we, we both kind of chatted it out. And, and it makes a lot of sense. The thing I like about uh, Bradley is, is, you know, he's 
got the, the perfect mentality and he's, he's, he, the velocity's there. It's certainly there. Um, and obviously it's not as high as Shelby Miller's, but I think Shelby Miller's just a little bit pissed at this point in his career. He's like, I just need to throw the heck out of the ball. <laughs> Let's get this done. But, um, you know, when it comes to Bradley, it's, I like his position in the rotation. Um, and there's, there's a lot of pitching in that rotation and people tend to forget, you know, there's more pitching than just Zach Greinke on that scenario. So I'm actually, um, kind of, you know, even biased aside, I think Bradley has, not quite like a top ace mentality, but um, he's definitely going to be um, in some of my leagues. Um, he's not going to be super deep, which I kind of like, but I can see that he's like that mid tier that you can get excited about. So he's probably my favorite out of those three. Well, and of the three, he's the one who who's actually battling for a, a position in, in the rotation, but right. maybe that the, the velocity is going to help him in that that front so we got ahead to break uh, just one more time but when we come back we're going to take the discussion a little more general maybe a little more theoretical talk about our draft strategy so we'll discuss those when we come back welcome back everybody fan racks fantasy baseball Dal Melchior, and here today and for this last segment is Jessica Kleinschmidt, uh, also from FanRag. And uh, Jess, how's the uh, Moonshots uh, podcast going? It's so fun, Al. And I think it's kind of nice. Like, obviously, I love sports and I love baseball, but a lot of my friends, especially like my girlfriends, literally don't listen to anything that I do. They will not be listening to this segment, if we're being honest. But on Moonshots, I talk about everything. So they're very much into that, which is great. So I think that's kind of why we decided to do it. Um, but Alex and I are having a blast with it. And it's actually getting some good good feedback from people I wasn't really expecting it from. So it's been it's been really fun to kind of take a break from um, the 24-7 sports aspect, but it's been great. Well, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, and uh, check that out. That's an, And how often are you uh, you posting that? Um, it, we record usually um, on, like, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and it's usually out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, depending on um, when, when that gets taken care of. But once a week, it's out. All right. So uh, look for that. And uh, let's get back uh, to something, Jess, that you said in the last segment. Uh, Sonny Gray, you said, not a fan favorite in the DFS community. And I'm assuming, I assumed mm-hmm. when you said that, you're talking about for this year and not retrospectively last season. Now, how does this mm-hmm. work? Because, uh, of course, DFS, you know, daily, very dependent on matchups and on the prices. So what is it about Sonny Gray, uh, you know, aside from, you know, the injury, uh, that would make people look that far ahead and say, you know, that's somebody I'm not, I'm not really going to be interested in for, for DFS. I think it was the, the David Price kind of tilt situation. Like last season, and you and I have talked about this before, the, the tilt prices with David Price was he was worth all this money, but he wasn't performing and it made no sense. And when it comes to Sonny Gray, he was never super expensive, never really super cheap, but always at that middle tier. And when it comes to a middle tier pitcher, it's one of the most frustrating aspects of the world. You know, like Dylan Bundy is always going to be pretty much cheap unless he has like an amazing type of outing, that kind of scenario. Same with, we mentioned a Disclafani kind of deal, but he was always at that really upsetting price. And when it came to a stack option, most of the time people were going to be stacking against him, you know, putting a lot of those, um, 
I mean, maybe Mariners bats against against him kind of scenario. And and that was a a rare occasion when they would take on the Diamondbacks, if that was ever a scenario, which never really happened. But um, I think that's why it was frustrating. So you could bring that injury into it. And especially, you know, starting out the season, he was fabulous, right? Like, like I mentioned, him and Rich Hill were great as far as, you know, trade options. And then all of that scenario kind of happened. And, and even the team in and of itself, the matchups were just never there. So it was just difficult to kind of put him in any sort of category. Um, and when it comes to a DFS pitcher, luckily you're not going to be worried about, you have other options and stuff, but I think it was ultimately his price and the matchups were just never there. So the DFS community, every time I've mentioned him, you know, especially after this injury, they're just kind of like, we don't really care because we weren't going to do anything with him next season anyway. Now, when you say the matchups weren't there, was that also just a function of an A's team that was not very good offensively? Yes. And and if you look at it, we all know that Sonny Gray is definitely a, a ground ball pitcher. And you can't have a solid outing throwing a l- bunch of ground balls if you're not having a great, you know, defensive kind of scenario. All the, their yeah. power was in the outfield, you know. And, you know, Ryan Healy, of course, made a case for himself, but that was more from a hitting perspective. And um, Chris Davis, of course. And beyond that, there really wasn't much you could really do. So that was definitely a scenario. And, and when you're looking at the DFS community, yeah, if, if the guys, you can't really get a bunch of wins if you're throwing all these, ground balls and nobody's helping you out and it kind of you know it's a really messed up circle so that's kind of ultimately where it ended well that's that's an excellent point and yeah we talk about run support focus on that but defense uh for i think both both for daily formats and for yearly formats is really important and i talked about this yesterday with fred zinke on the show with the blue jays who i think really helped out their pitchers who by and large are pretty contact friendly. And so I think Aaron Sanchez and Jay Happ in particular really got a boost from that infield uh, defense. You know, Sanchez, like uh, Gray, a ground ball pitcher. So that's, uh, I think that's an interesting thing to bring up and an important thing to bring up. And you had mentioned to me offline that there were players you were actually really excited about for DFS for this coming season. So who are some of those players? Well, I don't want to give away too many because, you know, I kind of have to have some of those, you know, some people like genuinely, you know, who the number one guy I always talk about is what is who Mitch Haniger. I'm really excited to see what he does. He's like literally my, my new Peter O'Brien. Cause I've, I've watched him play and all of that. And you kind of develop like that baseball crush. Just every time he goes up to bat, you know, something great's going to happen. Um, and, and him and Jake, Jake Lamb are huge for me. Um, Jake Lamb is, is more of a DFS guy only because we've talked about him before as far as um, season long pers- um, situations, but I love a diamondback stack. You know, last year, of course they had Wellington Castillo in that, stacks so you could have wellington jake lamb who was always relatively cheap if you could afford paul goldschmidt go for it and then you know the the mid infielders were always relatively cheap so that was always a fun stack to go with um and i really like the miami marlins from a dfs perspective i don't think christian yelich is necessarily um under appreciated anymore i think the the word is very much out there but i do like justin Bohr a lot for a dfs any actually any kind of format play um he's a low-key underrated player for me um and he's going to be relatively cheap heading into the season but he has the power and he's gonna we're gonna see how he does against lefties i know they want to open him up for more exposure towards that um age wise and i didn't mention ryan healy as a guy that could really give you some low low price high production value which is ultimately what you look for and when you're looking at the a's a lot of people are going to be so stoked with chris um, davis but ryan healy did have his moments last year so unless you're like a dfs shark you're not going to really be paying attention to it and then of course um 
Seth Smith is a huge one for me because now he's going to be at a bigger ballpark of hitters wise. So I think he's um, another main guy that I'm really excited to do. And last year I always got eye rolls when it came to Seth Smith. They're like, why would you ever? And then he would hit a bomb. I'm like, shut up. You know, <laughs> like every single time, every single time. And of course all the baby Bronx bats, it's going to be funny to see how people stack those guys against the pitcher. So there's so many different scenarios that I'm just like so giddy and excited for. Yeah, well, Judge, by the way, homered uh, earlier in this hour, so uh, built the, the hype is building even more for uh, for. Aaron didn't, didn't he do that? Did, didn't he do that last time too? When we you're right, about him? you're right. He did. It's it's uh, it's on you. It's on you. It's, well, you it's know, us. and I, I had to <laughs> I had to chuckle a little bit when you talked about Seth Smith because that year he played for the Padres. I I touted him up a little bit for um, you know like deeper mixed league kind of thing, and. Uh, yeah, people just like, what are you talking about, Seth Smith? But the the Petco Park is actually a pretty good park for left-handed mm-hmm. hitters, and he had one of mm-hmm. his best power years that year. So, Jess, uh, we got to wrap up pretty quickly here. But uh, you had mentioned to me you have a twelve by twelve roto league, which I just think is fascinating. Is that a draft you've already had, or is that one that's coming up? This is one that's coming up. It's actually my first year ever doing one. Period. So I'm actually really looking forward to, you know, seeing what kind of happens but I'm I'm hoping I have a little bit of confidence from my other you know type of other fantasy stuff I've done in the past not necessarily with baseball but we'll see what happens it's my first one so I'm looking forward to it Uh, and uh, is that coming up this week or or this week yes three days three days all right so next Friday remind me we got to talk about that draft because I'm I'm fascinated by the uh by the format and and the the prep that you're gonna have to do for that and the the uh in draft adjustments as well so Looking forward to talking yep. about that with you next Friday. Please don't let me forget. I won't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be a wrap then for uh, today's show. So, Jess, thanks very much for uh, coming on. Jessica Kleinschmidt, FanRag Sports. And um, our next show will be Sunday, and that will be with Greg Jewett, also from FanRag Sports. So uh, looking forward to that one as well. So thank you very much for tuning in. I will see you Sunday. And uh, till then, uh, good luck with all your drafts and all your draft prep. Take it easy.